0: Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Psalm 33, verse number 9. The Bible says, For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. Isn't it amazing that the existence of the world depending, uh, depended upon God speaking? That's pretty amazing. And God said, Let there be light. God said, Let there be a firmament. God said, Let the dry land appear. Let the earth bring forth grass. Let there be light. God spake it into existence. Man, that's pretty powerful. That really didn't cost God anything. That's just his glory, that's just his majesty, that's just his awe. You think about that You know We try to speak things into existence And that and the whole thing don't work out But God That's pretty amazing That's pretty powerful The Bible says in Hebrews 11 The worlds were framed By the word of God John 1 3 All things were made by him And without him Was not anything made That was made All glory to God. But again, what did that cost him? Not a whole lot. It's God on display, his handiwork on display and his creation on display. Now let's get 2 Corinthians 5 and Galatians 3. Be a bit of a contrast message Bible lesson this evening. Second Corinthians chapter number five. This whole false idea of evolution and all that, it's just another way to not give glory to the awesome majesty of our creator. That's all it is. Second Corinthians chapter five. Look at verse 21. The Bible says. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The creator God that can speak things into existence. This cost him something. He became sin for you and for me. That's a powerful contrast. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter number three. Let's look at verse number 13. Christ, Galatians three, verse 13, hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Jesus Christ, God manifest in a body of flesh. He was made a curse for you and for me. That cost him something. You contrast that. To the awesome handiwork. And majesty. Of God's creation. He just speaks it into existence. Someone that powerful. Someone that majestic. Now comes down. And becomes a curse for for mankind. It should turn your stomach. When you hear someone use the Lord's name. Blasphemously or irreverently. Texting has become so prevalent in this as well. People just send OMG as if he didn't speak this whole world into existence. As if he didn't become a curse for you and now you're cursing him. You're using his name irreverently get Philippians chapter 2. So that was the first part of, of the Bible lesson this evening. It's just seeing the contrast between God. He speaks the world into existence. And now we see the contrast of he actually became a curse. He was made sin for us. Drank our sin and drank our wrath, Took. Our sin upon his body of flesh. It's pretty powerful. Galatians chapter 2 verse number 5. This is good. Look at this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. we have a triune god and jesus christ is god in the beginning was the word the word was with god and the word was god and he thought it not robbery robbery to be equal with god but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men this is well look in verse 8 and being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross Spake the world into existence Yet he took upon the form of a servant And God said And there it goes Yet He became obedient He humbled himself Even unto death The death On a tree at Calvary Why? For you and for me You want to talk about love There it is Is he a name above every name in your life? People are going to bow now or they're going to bow later, but they're going to bow. This is why we evangelize the lost. But a good contrast, the highest becomes the lowest. Uh, Look at Luke 2. Look at Luke 2. Show you another contrast which I thought I found to be a blessing. Luke chapter 2. Oh, where is it? Okay, all right, go down to verse number 14 Uh, uh, 13. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and earth, peace. Good will toward men. You've got a heavenly host giving glory to God in the highest. Now skip down two verses. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. You've got God getting praise from the heavenly hosts and two verses later. You have him manifest in a body of flesh lying in a manger. The highest becoming the lowest. The highest taking on no reputation. The highest becoming a servant. The highest humbling himself. And some of us need perfect conditions for a good night rest. And the Lord of glory laying in that manger. Taking on a body of flesh. That's our God. That's who we serve. That's who we want to introduce people to. Look at Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10, verse 10. By the which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Verse 11. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But this man. After he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. That's Jesus Christ offering his body as a sacrifice for sins. The highest becomes the lowest, a babe in a manger. The highest becomes the suffering servant dies on the cross for our sins. The perfect sacrifice for us. We all get that, right? Praise God. Glory to his name We've been lost on our way to hell What does Romans 12 say though It says Romans chapter 12 The Bible says in verse number 1 Very familiar I'm sure you've all read this Multiple times I beseech you therefore brethren I would be those that are saved The brethren by the mercies of God That ye present Your bodies A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Well, wait a minute. I thought God made the one-time sacrifice. Well, he did for sins. And now we're saved. And God says, now you've got a sacrifice. To die for somebody's sins? Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) That's been completely done. And we read that in Hebrews 10. To present your body that God has given you. Now as a living sacrifice. To serve the Lord. The highest of high. The glorious of glory. The majestic of majesty. Allows us. To play a part in giving the gospel message of redemption to others. Do you ever really think about that? God said, no, I'll use you. God said, he'll use me. God said, he uses his saints to spread his message so that he gives glory. None of us are worthy and we should be humbled when we even think about the fact it's so important, the most important decision any soul could make. And God says, I am going to use my saints, my church, and all you have to do is be present. Just present your body a living sacrifice. Amen, amen. Let's get Proverbs 11, and I want to look at this familiar passage. You may consider this a a little bit of a hair splitter, but I want to just draw out some truth. And. Maybe you don't see it exactly this way, but I'd like you to at least consider this thought. Proverbs 11, verse number 30. This we're in the Old Testament now, and it says the fruit. Proverbs 11, verse 30. The fruit of the righteous. Is a tree of life. But he. That winneth souls is wise. Well, wait a minute. Is it my responsibility or your responsibility to win souls? Or is our responsibility to proclaim truth and present the truth to a soul? I'm bringing this out because this is an Old Testament verse that's used for, well, we're going to go soul winning. Oh, so you're going to win a soul? I'm going to win a soul? I don't think we are going to win any souls. I think we need to proclaim truth. And, well, okay, well, let's look at this. Let, let go to 1 Corinthians and let's see what Paul says here. Hold that thought on he that winneth souls is wise. That's a good place to just hold that thought. Now look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter nine, verse number 22. And maybe this will help tie in that thought. To the weak, Paul says, 1 Corinthians nine, to the weak became I as weak, that I might gain the weak. I have made all things to all men. Now watch what he says, that I might by all means save some. So is Paul now the savior? Is that what the Holy Spirit is inspiring Paul to write? Paul, be sure you tell everybody that you're saving people. No, this is God, like we talked about before, glory to God in the highest, using us the lowest and saying, you get to play a part in proclaiming the truth of who I am and what I've done. So when Paul says in the 22nd verse of chapter nine, that I might by all means save some. Is Paul the one that's saving that soul? Or is God? That'd be God. That would be God. Paul's not the Savior. We all can relate to that. Go over to 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 9. And this should kind of wrap up that thought. 1 Corinthians 3, uh, verse number 9. The Bible says, for we are laborers together with God. You're God's husbandry. You're God's building. We get to labor with God. I don't know if any of you right now can bring your mind back to the first job that you had. But I remember. I was so excited. To be able to labor. With my dad. You see my. My family they were old. Onion farmers, scallions, they, they farm. Dad would get us up, bring us to the to the barn in the morning. It's like, oh, I get to work with dad. I get to labor with dad. This is like big time. You know, as a kid, you're 10, 11 years old. That's big time. You get to get up early. You get to sip on dad's coffee. I get to, whoo. I was big. You and I, as Christians, as blood-washed saints, we get to labor together with the Lord. We get to work for the Lord. I mean, isn't that great? That's better than anything or any boss you can ever have. Glory to his name. We are laborers together with God. And we stand as God's witnesses. We don't win the soul. The Lord does we are his witness we present the truth of the gospel when you go into a courtroom a witness will take the stand when that witness takes the stand what does that witness do it will present evidence either for or against the person that is on trial that's a witness call your first witness to the stand. We all know how it goes. Did God say all of sin? Did God say for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? Did God say that I am the way, the truth, and the life? He did. We are taking the witness stand for God, and we are presenting evidence of what God said for God and against the sinner. <laughs> Here is the evidence against you. Have you ever told a lie? Yes. Have you ever lusted? Yes. Have you ever had an idol? Have you ever coveted? Yes. You're guilty before God. And we present evidence against the sinner and we present evidence for the sinner. We present that truth. We are witnesses for God. The Lord saves the soul. We don't. We present the truth of the gospel. Look at Acts chapter 1 and we'll see The first instruction, really, given to the church, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria. And unto the uttermost part of the earth. Why was the Holy? Why was the Holy Spirit given? At least here, the context. Why were we given the Holy Spirit? To be witnesses. (laughs) To be witnesses. God wants us to witness for him. Look at Acts chapter 2. Let's look at verse 32. Uh, Acts 2.32 This Jesus Hath God raised up Whereof Some of us will witness for him Is that what it says? Wherefore we All Are Witnesses You ever hear somebody say Well that's the preacher's job It's all of our jobs We get to labor with the Lord and we were given the Holy Spirit so we can be a witness for him and tell somebody about Jesus Christ. If you're saved tonight, I would implore you to utilize the Holy Spirit as God has given it to you and be a witness for him. One of the reasons why you were given the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts chapter 3. We first looked at the Holy Spirit was given so believers could witness. We looked at um, the second reason we all, we all should be doing it in Acts chapter 2. And let's look at Acts chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, verse 14, but you denied the Holy One the just and desired a murder to be granted unto you and killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are Witnesses his name through faith in his name And his name through faith in his name made that this man strong Whom ye see and know yea the faith Which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness In the presence of you all We're witnesses Witnesses for the Lord Now the difference Why I try to bring out this Old Testament verse for soul that's used for soul winning, he that winneth souls is wise. We have to be careful that we don't take that verse because courses and lessons and Bible studies and books have been written on soul winning. Where by the end of the book, yeah, there's some great meat in there, there's some great things in there, but by the end of the book, you get the idea that it's actually your responsibility to win somebody. Hence, this is how we got into the mess of easy believism. This is how we got into it. He that wineth souls is wise, so I have to I have to win this soul. Here, say this prayer, repeat after me. And we do all of these things to try to get somebody to do something. That the Holy Spirit never convicted that person to do. I want everybody to get saved, but I don't want to have false conversions on my watch. Do you? So we need to be careful that we're not playing the Holy Spirit. But that we are witnesses and we present the evidence for and against. And we proclaim the truth of the gospel. It's simple to get somebody to do a religious activity. We're not looking for someone to do a religious activity. A hoop to jump through. We want to present truth and have the Holy Spirit so convict their heart that they see it and they get it. Now you can guide them in prayer. You can lead them. You can nudge them. You can compel them. But I'm more in tune to pray for somebody. Of course, I'll pray with them, but I'm very careful to say, hey, repeat these words. They're under true Holy Spirit conviction. What must I do to be saved? There's going to be, they might not have the perfect eloquent prayer. They don't need it, but they need to be moved by the Holy Spirit, not by some man that's trying to get them to jump through a hoop. mentioned sister lois we're praying for her for her she's 92 that means when she was born it was the start of the great depression 1929 or 1933 i think was the span of the great depression i'm not a historian but when you when you get born in that you live through that when you see sister lois when she comes back to church you ask her could you find anybody in your town growing up that was a Muslim? Ask her if she could find anybody in everybody that she knew or her family knew that was an atheist. I'll bet you she said no. Because in the 20s, in the 30s, there were plenty of souls that needed to be redeemed and saved. But for the most part, everybody feared God and believed there was a God. Nobody said I'm an atheist. Nobody said I'm a Muslim. They feared and believed God. You know what you had next? World War II went 1939 to 1945. You've got men and women dying and fighting for their country. People turn into the Lord (laughs) Imagine living through The great depression The 30s Imagine living through World War II People turn into the Lord 1950s 1960s 1970s I was born in 72 50s, 60s and 70s You know what America Started to Get used to Prosperity Things started to get better You know what else was introduced to the family During that time The great big American idol The golden cat Anybody want to take a guess at what it is That would be the TV <laughs> Set right slap dad in the middle And, and here we go all of a sudden, it's, now it's not, thank God he brought us through the Great Depression. No, how can a God let us go through that? Now it was no longer, thank God he delivered us through this World War II. Now it's, how, could God, how can a loving God have war? And all these different messages slowly over one, over two, over three, over four decades, now we hit the 1980s and we see this, it's almost like the sled gained some momentum and it's just going downhill. And people don't Now You can knock on 50 doors Talk to 50 people One's a Muslim, one's an atheist One's a Buddhist One doesn't care about God One's a Satanist, one's a witch Go on down the line And then you'll hear other stuff that you never even heard of Really? People believe that? Do you know how far we've come? In just 50 years, it's bad. God spoke the world to existence, yet he came and became a curse for us. The Lord of glory, the highest becomes the lowest. God, our creator, would actually use us as his. We could get to work with the Lord to give the greatest message ever told. Are we going to save a soul? Are we going to win a soul? No, the Lord will. The Holy Spirit will. And he gave us the Holy Spirit and dwell in us. Why? Be witnesses unto him. Young people, witness for the Lord. The way you act, the way you live. All of that is your testimony. The way you talk. The places you go. All of that is your testimony. Your character. witness for him. Tell somebody about it. Now, people want a new God. They find him on the television. Well, they used to find him on the television. Now they find him on the computer. Now they find him on the cell phone. Now they find him on the social media. But we've got the true and living God. Let's go to Romans 10 and we'll wrap it up. Romans 10, verse number 12, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You meet somebody, they say they're a Jew. What do you do? Give them the gospel. You meet somebody at the fair and they have a shirt that has foul language on it. They've got purple hair, blue hair, pink hair, and a ring through their nose. What do you do? You preach the gospel to them. It doesn't matter if they're a Jew or a Greek. It doesn't matter if they have purple hair or blue hair or pink hair or they got everything pierced. Oh, well, what do you do if you got somebody, they got tattoos all over their body, their face, their neck. They got a cigarette out of their mouth. Their eyes are bloodshot. You run, right? No, you give them the gospel. You give them the gospel. Because it doesn't matter. That's why it says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, I get it. If two ladies are out witnessing for the Lord. And if they're working the fair and there's some really rugged. Uh, gentlemen, <laughs> men of the baser sort, I get it. There is a time and a place for, OK, you know, I'm going to let this one pass. Maybe the men need to step up and handle that one. So I get that. Um, Men also, we need to be careful. You don't want to be caught witnessing to someone, a female, where it's just you and that female and situating it. Right. You want to have someone else as your witness. So I'm not talking about those situations where women would want to be careful in certain situations or men would want to be careful in certain situations. Or we would want to kind of protect our children against not talking about that. Oh, that's normal. And we should be doing that for accountability and to make sure we're safe. But what I'm talking about is it doesn't matter what they look like. We need to get the gospel to them. It doesn't matter who it is or what their belief is, what they look like. Verse number 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him and whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And I'm not, I'm not kidding you. Sat Friday night, I had someone tell me that they've never read the Bible. I said, okay, fine. Let's go to John chapter 3. I'm thinking, we're in Tennessee. Who hasn't read John 3 16? Apparently I found somebody. I said, have you, have you read this verse? He goes, I told you, I never read the Bible. I said, I know, you told me that, but I didn't think you meant like the whole Bible. I thought you meant you read the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation. He goes, no, I've never read any of the Bible. I said, oh, we'll read verse 17. Now read verse 18. And his eyes were just open. Now, he didn't get saved, but he went home with a John and Romans And for the first time in his life, some young fella in middle Tennessee read John 3.16. We take it for granted because our kids grew up on it. (laughs) We'd be embarrassed if they didn't know John 3.16. Who doesn't know for God to love the world? Well, there are people that don't. That's why we've got to bring it to them. All right. And how shall they preach, verse 15, except they be sent? Don't try to win a soul. Just be sent by the Lord and witness for him. And the Holy Spirit will convict someone's heart. The Lord will do the winning. We get to play a part as his labor, as is written. How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? And the last verse I'll end with tonight is this So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We've got to get the word of God out to our community, to our state, to our country, and to this world. And a little small. Just getting off its feet, country church, with a little bit of people can do a lot. if we get a hold of the highest became the lowest, we get to work for him. He does the saving. We are his witnesses. Now let's get out.